0: Good to see you all. Why don't we just open our hearts again. Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. I pray, bring revelation afresh to us this morning. Open our hearts to hear your voice. And give us the faith to respond. We love you. We love your presence. We just pray protection over this time. That nothing will distract us from hearing what you're wanting to say. For your glory we ask. Amen. So we are continuing our adventures in Acts as part of our missional series. And uh, without messing around too much, we're going to go straight into the start of Paul's second missionary journey. Last week, Rob did an excellent job of, of showing how the church in Antioch and Paul and all that he was doing had a massive green light by the Apostles And the elders in the church in Jerusalem, a huge green light. They saw that these Gentiles didn't need to come under Mosaic law. They saw that it was the grace of God that was at work in this amazing move of the gospel throughout, beyond Syria and the ends of the earth. A really exciting time, must have been so encouraging for Paul and his team as he got that green light And we have that wonderful phrase in verse 28 of chapter 15, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so they send Paul back to Antioch along with Silas and Judas, another Judas obviously, with a letter of confirmation. Keep going, we're with you. Here's a few guidelines but it's the grace of God. Wonderful, wonderful time. So we're going to pick up at the end of chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, do turn to chapter 15. We're just going to read verse 36 to verse 41, just to launch us into this second missionary journey. Sometime later, most people think it's around about three years, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. I love Paul's heart. He's just got a real concern for these new brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's see how they're doing. Paul, sorry, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it was very wise to take him because they had deserted him in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. If you remember in the first missionary journey, Mark left them fairly early on. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas, who had come with him from Jerusalem, and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord." He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Not the greatest start, really, for a missionary journey to start with a big row and a disagreement with your partner who you're in mission with. So much so that they go their separate ways. But the thing is, as we read through these missionary journeys of Paul, it can teach us an awful lot about how God guides us how God guides us in the moment. If we believe God is a God who has plans and purposes for our lives, if we believe he is sovereign, and if we trust him, then surely we need to be drawing as much as we can on his guidance to direct us, to speak to us. I wonder how many times you've asked the question, God, what on earth are you up to? What are you up to in this situation? Things just don't make sense at the moment. I thought you wanted me to go in this direction and now there's this closed door and I don't know what to do. Things seem to just be all up in the air. Where are you in this situation? I don't know if any of those questions resonate with you. I've probably asked all of them at one time or another. So I'm really glad that through these missionary journeys, we can glean some lessons on guidance and how God speaks to us in the moment. And if you've ever done an Alpha course, hands up if you've done an Alpha course or helped lead an Alpha course, quite a few of you. Well, I don't know if you remember, there's a, there's a week that we look on guidance and they, we talk about the five C's of God's guidance, Five, the letter C, the five C's of God's guidance. Can we all remember what they are? Probably not, just as well. As I was reading through the start of this second missionary journey, I was reminded of those five C's. And we're going to use that as a framework as we go through this passage this morning. The first C is the command of Scripture the command of Scripture. Paul was a man who was driven by the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. He knew the Scriptures. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And now, with the revelation of Jesus, he now saw and read the Scriptures through the lens Of Jesus, and his passion was to reveal Jesus through the scriptures. He would open up the scriptures and show Jew and Gentile alike that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior of the world. You know, he longed to lead people into the the freedom and grace that we talked about last week. He had a passion for the Word of God. He was guided by the Word of God, and he loved to guide others through the Word of God. And you know what? Still the most common way God speaks to us today is through his Word. It's through his Word. As we spend time in prayer, communing with God, and reading his Word, this is the primary way God speaks to us. Paul, in his own words, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking correcting, and training in righteousness. You want to know God's, God's guidance? It's in here. His general guidance is revealed in His Word. It's our guide. It's our light. Psalm 119, that well-known verse says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God doesn't want us stumbling around in the dark. He's given us His Word But the thing is, if we're talking about guidance, I think one of the most valuable, important things to to hear and to understand is that guidance is rooted in relationship. Guidance is born out of a relationship with God. Jesus said in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Guidance and relationship are totally entwined. If you want to know God's guidance for your life, get to know God. Primarily, we do that through His Word. It's here that we find out His character, it's in here that we find out His will, it's in here that we find out His promises. You know, God has promised to guide us. In Psalm 48, Verse 14, God will be our guide even to the very end. He's promised to guide us. Isaiah 58, verse 11, he will continually guide you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? It's through his word, it's through the Bible that we get the general guidance for our lives. You know, and it's actually in here that we find out that our primary calling It's not actually to do something, it's to be someone. You know, we can get so wrapped up in, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Our primary calling is first and foremost to be someone, to be a child of God. It goes back to relationship again. Guidance is born out of relationship. And the thing is, because of that relationship, as we read the scriptures, as we open our hearts up to the Holy Spirit, what we find is certain passages kind of resonate in our hearts. You know, many of us can testify to that. Passages just jump out, verses jump out. They resonate in our hearts. And, you know, many moons ago, I studied resonant frequencies which I'm sure, as you all know, every object has its own natural resonant frequency. And when this object is subjected to another frequency that's similar to its own, a different source resonating with a similar frequency, this object will also resonate together. And I just think it's a lovely picture of when God speaks to us, We are made in the image of God. We are His children. Each one of us has an original resonant frequency that is in tune with God's voice. The thing is, these objects don't resonate if they are damped. If they are full of stuff and just damped down, then they don't resonate when that frequency is applied. And so often we don't resonate, we don't hear the voice of God because there's so much other stuff in our lives that's dampening down our original resonant frequency. And we need to start pulling that stuff off to tune in to God. To hear that still small voice resonating in our hearts. The Bible is our source of general guidance from God. It's our first port of call. And the thing is, the danger is we can end up sitting around. If you're anything like me, you can sit around waiting for a specific word of God. God, I want you to give me a detailed map every step of the way before I'm going to make a move. How many realize that God doesn't often work like that? He wants us to take the first step. How do we take the first step? Takes us onto our second sea? Paul makes his first step by using his God-given common sense. God has given us a mind. He's given us the ability to reason, to think through things. John Stott once said, God's promises of guidance were not given to save us the problem of thinking. I like that. God's promises of guidance were not given to save us the problem of thinking. We have the ability to think And reason through. And Paul didn't just sit around. Well, God, I want a detailed map of exactly where you want me to go on every stage of this mission trip. No, he simply took the next logical step. Let's go and visit our friends. Let's go and strengthen and encourage those churches. It was born out of a passion and a love for the people who he had met en route. Coupled with a common sense. Let's just start where we go. Let's retrace our steps. That got him going. You know, who who knows that it's far easier to guide a moving object? My parents had this really old Vauxhall Cavalier that had really fat tires and no power steering. And I remember as a kid tugging on the steering wheel going, how do you steer this thing when it was stationary? I actually learned to drive in that car, and it was a revelation. When it's moving, ah, you can suddenly turn the wheel. It's far easier to steer. We are the same. It's far easier to steer When we are moving forward somewhere, and we use common sense, and a good place to start is to think, what is my passion? What what has God made me passionate about, and how can I use that passion to, to glorify Him and to further His kingdom? Think about it. What has God made you passionate about? What has God given you a burden for? And then take the next logical step. Get moving You know, it also stops us from being overly super spiritual. You know, I wonder if I should get dressed today. God hasn't given me a specific word. You know, we've got reason. We've got common sense. God has given us our minds and common sense to get moving. But how many of us know that that's not enough? We also need the continuing divine Guidance of God as we step out, as we make that first move, which takes us to our third C. We see God using different circumstances to guide Paul and his team, to guide Paul and his team. And as we saw at the very start of this mission, there's an argument, there's a bus stop. Paul and Barnabas disagree about, about Mark. Paul's saying he's a deserter. We don't want him. Barnabas, living up to his name as an encourager, saying, let's give him a second chance. You know, I can see there's, 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 there's mileage in him. God can work in his heart. I know it. But yet they disagree so powerfully, they end up going their separate ways. Disaster? No. Because God is big enough to work through even our disagreements even through our conflicts. Now what you have are two teams, twice the potential to cover the area. You know, God guides us even in our disagreements, even in our weaknesses. Barnabas and Mark go off down to Cyprus, cover that area. Paul and Silas head up to Syria. Two-pronged approach now. And as we read through into chapter 16, as I said last time, please do read these chapters. We don't have time to read through the whole of these chunks on a Sunday morning. Please do read them through in your own time. Get the context, get the story, get the flow. Because as Paul and Barnabas continue on this journey, God continues to use circumstances to direct them. They set off, and yet circumstance after circumstance guides and directs them. Firstly, they pick up Timothy in Lystra. We'll be hearing a lot more about Timothy in weeks to come. But then we read verse 6 of chapter 16 they had been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Paul wanted to retrace his steps. In fact, he wanted to go into Ephesus. He wanted, again, using his common sense, to reach a very important city, a very influential city. And yet, somehow, it doesn't say how, the door to Asia was closed. And again, we get to verse 7, because Paul thinks, well, if I can't go that way, I'll go north then. Again, in verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, another name for the Holy Spirit, would not allow them. So they passed by Mycenae and went to Troas, again Door after door is being closed, and we don't know the exact circumstances of what these closed doors looked like, but Paul discerned clearly that it was God who was behind these closed doors. We'll be touching on discernment in just a little bit. But whatever these closed doors look like, they can be very disheartening, they can leave us feeling vulnerable. So it's kind of a good reminder that living under God's guidance does not lead to a trouble free life. Jesus was a brilliant example of that. He was perfectly guided by his father. He said he only did what he saw his father doing, and yet was his life trouble free? Of course not. Just because you're going through a rocky time does not mean that God is not guiding you. And maybe even today you're facing some closed doors. Maybe it's relationally, like Paul and Barnabas. Disappointed that a relationship or a friendship hasn't worked out. Maybe you're facing direct opposition. You need to discern, do I need to push through this, Lord? Or is this you closing the door? Maybe circumstances have changed. Maybe a job opportunity, suddenly a closed door, or you've lost your job. Closed door. Or maybe a a promised promotion hasn't come about, or a ministry opening hasn't come about. Maybe it's something, you know, anything that you thought was a certainty suddenly now looks doubtful. The door has been closed, and that can be massively discouraging. And it's exactly at those times where we need to keep our eyes fixed on God, as we've been hearing about this morning. Keep our eyes fixed on God. And not on our circumstances. To see the bigger picture, as we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's good to ask God questions. Ask God questions. Questions like, God, what are these circumstances telling me? What do you want me to accomplish through this situation? Get your focus back onto God. Ask Him. Where is the enemy at work here? Is this opposition that I need to really pray through and press through? Another good question to ask is, open my eyes. Is there any sin in my life that I need to repent from that's holding me back, that needs dealing with? Ask God for a strategy through this, this closed door. God, what is your strategy in this? Take it to God. And then trust him to speak to you. Which takes us to our fourth C. God guides us by the compelling Holy Spirit. You know, Paul was a man who was driven by the word of God. And Acts 20 tells us he was compelled by the Spirit of God. He was driven by the word, compelled by the Spirit. And in verse 9 of chapter 16, we see Paul receiving a direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. I love it when that happens. But he has a dream. Verse 9 During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Just as a side note, notice the change from they to we. It sounds like Luke, the author of Acts, has joined the gang at this stage. It's all about we and us. But God had been closing doors left, right, and center. God, what are you doing? Suddenly, the door to the West, the door to Europe, had swung wide open. And I just want to spend a little bit more time on this sea. Because as I said, I love it when the Holy Spirit gives clear, direct direction and guidance. You know, we get to know God through his word, that general revelation of God. We use our common sense to get moving. We trust him despite and regardless of the circumstances, but we must constantly keep our spiritual eyes and ears open to that still small voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, as believers, we are spirit-filled people. We are called to be spirit-filled people. Galatians 5 says, walk in the Spirit. Romans 8 says, be led by the Spirit. Again, back in Galatians 5, it says, keep in step with the Spirit. You're getting the idea of how the Holy Spirit is involved in our guidance. We need the Holy Spirit. We have a a God who loves to speak to us through His Holy Spirit. He is our guide. He is our counselor. We need to be relying, I believe. I'm speaking to myself here. We need to be relying a whole lot more on that inner witness of the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to us in so many different ways. I mean, Jesus described him as the, the spirit of truth who will guide us in all truth. He's our guide. We can trust him. Many different ways he speaks to us. He speaks to us, as I said, through, through God's word. He brings things that resonate in our hearts. He, he's, he's that still, inner, small voice. You know, I often describe it sometimes as a, like a, a download of thoughts, a stream of thoughts suddenly coming into my mind. You think, where did that come from? And we slowly begin to recognize the voice of God. We slowly begin to recognize how he speaks to us because it's sometimes very personal and very different from each other. He speaks to us in different ways. He can speak to us in our imaginations. Again, I think our imaginations are often sort of downplayed. I'm quite a visual person. And God speaks to me a lot through pictures. We we see here, He speaks through visions and dreams, like with Peter in Acts 10. He, He uses our mind and our imaginations. He can speak to us through our physical bodies got a friend at uh, our former church who, in some meetings, he would get physical pains in parts of his body that he learned were God speaking to him a word of knowledge that God wants to heal someone in that specific area. He would suddenly get this, ah, I've got this real pain in my left elbow. He'd go up to the front. God wants to heal someone with pain in their left elbow. Lo and behold, there's someone going, I've got a pain in my left elbow. God heals them. God speaks to us through our physical bodies. In the Bible, we hear of the audible voice of God. Kind of rare, actually, even in Scripture. Kind of terrifying in many respects. Sometimes just the recipient hears it. Sometimes other people hear it. He uses our ears. He can use our eyes. We can see things in the Spirit. I remember stories of John Wimber seeing words of knowledge written across people's foreheads. You know, you're seeing it, but in the Spirit. Amazing. God can speak to us through nature. It's like that song how great thou art you know when we look around as the psalmists say you know the heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands I mean one of the ways I I love to get closer to God is by going for a walk in nature in the woods somewhere God speaks to me through nature and of course God speaks to us through other people Words of knowledge, prophetic words, words of encouragement, whatever they are, God can use other people to speak to us. God speaks to us in many different ways, but it calls for us to listen and recognize that voice. And we have an enemy. The devil does not want us to be guided by God. He wants us fumbling around in the dark, ineffective. There's many ways that our hearing can get dull, unbelief, unforgiveness, Unconfessed sin, all dulls our hearing. But I think one of the key tactics the devil uses is simply distraction. We don't have time to listen to God. And even just that phrase just seems so tragic, doesn't it? And there are many, many books on this subject of hearing from God. And they all come from different angles, but pretty much all of them start from the same place. Be still and know that I am God. In other words dial it down and tune in to God. And it's a lifelong lesson really. Be still and know that I am God. You know and as a person who has had over the last couple of weeks quite a lot of opportunity to be still literally lying flat on my back in bed I couldn't really do anything other than be still but yet my capacity for distraction is incredible. It's incredible. Am- it amazes me how distracted I can be even in bed in pain. There I am on my phone reading Nikki Gumbel's Bible in a Year, highly recommended. A tweet comes in. I'll check the tweet. Before I know it, an hour and a half has gone by with me watching fascinating videos of dogs skateboarding. <laughs> you know, one tweet leads to another. Hour and a half. Just, it shocks me, and I know you are all far more focused than me, but truth be told, we can get so easily distracted from what God is actually doing. So we said a couple of weeks ago, we need to see what God is doing and then jump in on the back of it. We often are so distracted, there's so much clamor, there's so much noise in our lives, we don't hear that still, small voice. We struggle with distractions. We miss the bigger picture because we're focusing so much on something else. Let me just show this very short video to demonstrate. Okay, I'm going to do a voiceover. Basically, you just saw that guy turn. Oh, they're going back again. Yeah, there we go. Basically, this guy's just turned a load of $1 bills into $100 bills. Did you notice that? What else did you not notice? Basically, everything changed, including his hat, the background, his handkerchief, the table became a stool that he ended up sitting on, all through that little clip. Did anyone spot any of those? Anyone? You spotted one. Which one? You spotted the hat. I, st- I didn't spot any of those. I missed the whole lot. Everything was changing in the background. That's basically what he's saying. Everything's changing. And he says, basically, most people have the capacity just to focus on one thing at a time. And it's how a lot of optical illusions are created. It's distraction. It's distraction. Look over here. I'm doing something else here. Even though it's in plain sight, our focus is somewhere else. Our focus is somewhere else. And I just think it was, okay, it's a bit of fun, particularly with the sound. Sorry, guys, if we didn't actually test that one out. But it does illustrate how easily we can focus in on the wrong things and miss the bigger picture. God is moving things all around, changing our circumstances, guiding us and directing us. But we're here, missing the whole thing because we're focusing on the wrong things, even good things. Even good things. I mean, there the focus was on money, but, you know, things like our careers, things like our homes, even things like our family. If we can get over focused on that, we can miss what God is actually doing. And in our busy lives and hectic schedules with distractions all around us, I know personally I need to dial it down. I need to tune in a lot more because I'll miss out. God doesn't want any of us to miss out what he's doing. I don't want to miss out. But very quickly, how do we know it's God who is speaking to us? And not just our wishful thinking. Not just our emotions playing tricks on us. There's probably no simple, straight-off answer. But I'd say, ultimately, it goes back again to having a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. And knowing the voice of God comes through experience, comes through practice, comes through close relationship. But there are some practical principles which we can use to help us work out, is this God's guidance or is this just wishful thinking? You know, because whatever way God speaks to us, we need to weigh it. It's wise to weigh it. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, test everything. Test everything everything hold on to what is good test everything hold on to what is good and there's a couple of tests we can do just a few tests first one very very obviously does it line up with the word of god Does it contradict what God has already revealed in His Word? Because God does not contradict Himself. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. As I said, the Bible is our starting point. The Bible is also our checkpoint. Our checkpoint when it comes to hearing from God. Spiritual discernment starts and continues with getting to know the written Word of God. So important. Again, second point in a similar vein is it consistent with the character of God? Does it actually glorify Him? What we're hearing, whether it's through someone else or ourselves, does it act, is it consistent with the character of God? Can you imagine Jesus saying this to you? Does it line up with His character? Does it line up with His teaching? Does it glorify Him? Another test, perhaps it's easier in a, with a bit of time, but what is the fruit? What is the fruit? Paul suggests in 1 Corinthians, checking whether it brings encouragement, whether it brings hope and strength. Does it build our faith? Or is there, does it leave us feeling a little bit fearful? There's a sense of control or even a sense of condemnation. You know, there's a big difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and condemnation. If you're in Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction, there is also hope because it leads to repentance. And we know that God is faithful and just and will forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. When there's conviction, it brings hope. If it's condemnation or fear or control, then we have a pretty good idea it's probably not from God. You know, all of us, as I said, have this inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Does it bring peace? It's a key way I find God speaks to me. Do I feel peaceful in this situation? Or is there a sense of, I just feel really unsettled about this word. Just just, just feel not quite right. There's an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, and again, very importantly, ask other godly friends. Ask People's advice, people who you know, hear from God and love God. Does this sound like God to you? I feel God saying this into my life. What do you think? You know, ask God to confirm it through other people as well. There's nothing so wonderful about when God speaks something into your life and someone else comes and brings the exact same word. It's a wonderful confirmation. Ask God, please, God, will you confirm this? But that takes us to our final C. God also guides us through the counsel of other Christians. Through the counsel of other Christians. Guidance is not an individual activity. You know, we could be so obsessed, God, which way do you want me to go? We, we live in an individualistic society, don't we? We don't like asking for advice. And yet, we see with Paul, he wasn't a one man band, he built a team around him. You know, even this vision that he only saw about the Macedonian man, there was still a sense of agreement together. You notice all the they concluded, we concluded together that God had called us to preach the gospel in Macedonia. There was a sense of team. And again, on every mission we see it's the church that launches Paul and his team out It's not an individualistic activity. And as God God continues to guide Paul, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. You know, as a church, we have a wonderful opportunity to speak into each other's lives. There are people in this room who are older than me, who have far more experience in things that I don't. There are also in this room people who are younger than me, increasingly so. And they see probably things in a different way to the way I do. We all have blind spots. We all need each other. We all have wisdom that God has given us. You know, I think godly counsel is vital to us really hearing his guidance accurately. Accurately. Let's make use of this, this reservoir of spiritual wisdom in this room. As Paul and his companions continue to be guided by the word of God, doors continue to open. I mean, even very literal doors. As I said, please do read through, the, right the way through chapter 16. In verse 23, Paul and Silas are thrown into prison because they cast out a demon from a fortune-telling girl. The owners, realizing they've lost a source of income, kick a fuss about it. They get flogged, thrown in prison. God breaks in, sends an earthquake. The prison doors fly open. Now, if that was me, I'd be wonderful, amazing. Let's let's, let's leg it. Let's get out of there. That's what God did with Peter. He's doing the same for us. Let's leg it. But they didn't. Again, God somehow had guided them to stay put. Why? Because there was a bigger agenda. God wanted to not just save Paul and Silas, he wanted to save the jailer and all his family. And as they continued to be guided by God, God opened the doors of the jailer's heart and all his family. It's wonderful. As they continue to be guided by God, step by step of the way, Europe opened to the gospel. So in conclusion, we have a heavenly father who loves to speak to his children, who loves to guide his children. Just pray for our expectations to rise. Pray that we will make time to hear the voice of God just in our everyday lives. You know, thanks to the death and resurrection of Jesus that we celebrated with communion this morning, we can have that intimate relationship. We can know the voice of God. As I said, guidance is born out of relationship. We see that with Jesus. We see that with the apostles. We see that with pretty much every great man and woman of God. And in the midst of all our scratching of our heads and Fumbling around in the dark, there's this call of Jesus to come closer, have that deeper relationship. I'm learning that hearing from God is not an overnight thing, but it's something that gets deeper over time. I'm learning to pay more attention to the way God speaks to me personally, because as I said, it's quite often different for other people. You know, I love the fact that God speaks to, to us in different ways. Just again, it's, it shows this relationship aspect. He's a father who knows what really gets to his children's hearts. He speaks personally to us. I'm also learning that God's, God tends to speak to those who are willing to obey. Obedience and hearing from God are totally tied up with one another. That's a preach for a whole nother time. But you know what? That's the whole context for the wise man building his house on the rock, foolish man building his house on the sand. The whole context of that, they both heard from God. One obeyed and one didn't. It's the whole context of that parable. Jesus said, my sheep, listen. I keep coming back to that John said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Obedience and guidance, hearing from God totally, totally connected. And yes, we will make mistakes. We will take the wrong turns. But you know what? God is big enough for all our mistakes. He is totally forgiving. As I said, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He will forgive us. Maybe you're needing some specific guidance today. Maybe you're facing some circumstances you don't know which way to go. Maybe you're looking for breakthrough in one area. Why don't we just invite the Holy Spirit right now to come and speak to our hearts? Maybe if the band could come back. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I had a picture as I was preparing this of a guided missile I know missile launches are touchy subjects at the moment. But modern missiles can be redirected mid-flight. They've got GPS, they've got laser navigation. They can be redirected to a completely different target in flight. And I felt God was saying there's someone here who feels that they knew the direction they were heading in. But it seems that that direction has shifted. And I feel God wants to say to you not to fear that he is in control. He is in that control center. He is dialing in the coordinates and not to fear. First of all, I'd love to pray for you maybe as the meeting draws to a close. You know, if you need specific guidance today, why don't you just raise your hand? I'm just going to pray generally over us. If you want God to speak to you directly in a particular situation now, just raise your hands. It's fine. Father, I just thank you for every person here with their hands raised and perhaps for those who wanted to raise their hands. Father, I pray for a spirit of revelation to come, that their eyes and their gaze will be fixed on you, Lord Jesus. You are the author and perfecter of their faith. I pray that they will be able to tune in to your still, small voice and hear, this is the way, walk in it. I pray you will give them the words to say in specific situations. I pray that you will teach them the steps to take in specific situations. I pray you will give them the wisdom to know What is to be done right now? We pray, Spirit of Revelation, come. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you've promised to be our guide. We thank you that you love to speak to us. I pray as a church, help us to listen to your voice more clearly and be a people who are ready to obey and follow you. Amen. Amen. Let's worship God.